Hi, this is Patty Lapone. This is Allison Janney. This is Matt Balmer. This is Donna Murphy. This is Nia Vardalis. This is Jesse Tyler Ferguson. This is Beanie Feldstein. I'm Octavia Spencer. This is Ben Platt, and you're listening to Little Known Facts with my favorite person on the planet, Alana Levine. A-OK. Welcome to Little Known Facts, a podcast where you will hear unfiltered, raw, honest, and uniquely funny interviews with artists you love as they talk about the art they love to make. I'm your host, Ilana Levine. If you know me, you know how obsessed I am with live performance. To me, nothing replaces being in a theater and the lights going down and the orchestra starts to play and that first moment of magic. And I know the way I feel about theater, some people feel about sports or opera or dance or comedy or food. And what if there was a place that you could go and find out which live events are going on near you that night, and then for a discount price, you can get off your couch, put down that clicker, and experience the magic that is live performance. Well, there is a place, goldstar.com. You just go to that website, you type in your city, and every amazing live event will be listed at discount prices. Theater, dance, comedy, film, food, concerts, sports. No more staying home. You are going to go out and build memories and experiences that expand your mind and heart through live performance with goldstar.com. Goldstar is in 26 cities around the country with over 8 million members already signed up to find out what event is going on near you. So go to goldstar.com. Get out of your house and build memories that are magic for you and your family. Expand your mind, expand your hearts. Go see live performance by using goldstar.com. Tell them Alana sent you. Hey, I heard you need an inspiration. He's Alana and friends with some revelations. Little known back to the day. Every little thing's gonna be a-okay. Hey, I am so excited to share some news with you guys. For the last few months, I've been working on another project that I've been calling Little Known Facts 2.0, Stage Network, an incredible new streaming platform which promises to be Netflix for theater lovers, asked me to do Little Known Facts as a filmed series, a talk show, as it were, in front of cameras. And I really thought about it for a long time because the thing that's made this podcast so special is that all of my guests have been able to share deep, intimate truths about their lives because we are in this tiny, comforting, confessional that is the podcast booth. And I really had to think hard, could I still deliver the same kind of intimate, raw, hilarious, and unique interviews if cameras were involved? But I think I figured it out. I created a really beautiful set uh, with very little technology around to distract me or my guest. And somehow through... um, The miracle that is uh, modern technology where cameras can be really far away and capture really intimate moments at the same time, we've done it. And I'm so grateful to Stage Network for allowing me to make my dream of sharing incredible friends with you in this whole new way. So I shot six episodes. The first one 
uh, is with Ben Platt. Other guests include Celia Keenan-Bolger, Zachary Quinto, George Salazar, Nikki M. James, John Slattery, and on and on and on. And I cannot tell you how thrilled I am to share them with you. Stage Network really is an amazing place. Not only is it filled with incredible original content, uh, it has licensed so much theater-related content, documentaries and films and all sorts of incredible programming. I feel like I dreamed up a network and someone else created it, and here it is. And the fact that I'm involved in even a small way with this incredible, incredible network is just truly an honor. So to that end, uh, to watch all of the content, including Little Known Facts, the series, go to watchstage.com. You can start your free trial today, but you guys, it is only $4 a month if you sign up in earnest. That is nothing when you think of what you're going to get for it. I can't believe this place exists. I can't believe Little Known Facts is a film series. I will continue to do my podcast every week for you, but it is really exciting to go on this whole new adventure with you. So go to watchstage.com. That's watch, W-A-T-C-H, stage.com. Enjoy, and I hope you like it. Little Known Fact about my guest today. He met Sarah Jessica Parker at a dinner party. They've been friends ever since. And everything you see between Stanford Blatch and Carrie Bradshaw is based on years of love and friendship and loyalty. Welcome, Willie Garson, to the podcast. A-OK. A-OK. Hey, everybody. My guest today <laughs> is Willie Garson. Willie has appeared in over 300 episodes of television and more than 70 films. He is best known for his long runs on television as Mozzie on White Collar, Stanford Blatch on Sex and the City, Henry Cofield, uh, say it, Caulfield. on NYPD Blue, <laughs> and Gerard Hirsch yeah. on Hawaii Five-0. Yeah, he's Jewish. <laughs> On film, he reprised. <laughs> it's good for the Jews. Yeah. On film, he reprised his role for the Sex and City movies. He has collaborated with the Farrelly brothers on three films: Something About Mary, Kingpin, and Fever Pitch, as well as appearing in Soap Dish, Groundhog Days, Groundhog Day, <laughs> Mars Attacks, The Rock, being John Malkovich, and many others. Uh, he is beloved by every director he's ever worked with, and some of those directors include Spike Jones, Michael Bay, Mike Nichols, and Ron Shelton. He plays poker for charity all over the world. I do. And for fun, but yeah. mostly for charity all over the world. And he is an advocate for many incredible organizations, but most importantly, for adoption through foster care, which is how he came to adopt his beautiful son, Nathan, in 2009. Uh I think of all the guests who have been on the show, you may be my oldest friend. Welcome, Willie Garson, to the podcast. Do you mean your most elderly friend? My most elderly. (laughs) Your aide was so sweet. (laughs) (laughs) Seriously, your aide was really sweet. Oh, that's awesome. (laughs) uh, If you just, there's, just move your bib a little to the left because that way it'll catch the drool more easily. But you know what? I am a little moist today. The areas where you did the plastic surgery. Look amazing. You really, all kidding aside. I pull and pull and pull. You look, first of all, what's sweet is I can almost see 
your face moving. Like there's almost the slightest know, amount right? of movement. So I know you're alive. Well, I have two emotions. Yes. Uh, happiness. Yes. And happiness. That's so great. Yeah. That's so great. Yeah. But do you know what? I have two emotions right now with you, and they are in fact happiness and happiness because oh, I love you sweet. so much. I'm so proud of you. Oh, uh, you feel so like sweet. family to me. I don't even remember the first time I've met I met you, but I just know. No, it was back with Naked Angels. Yeah. Like um, early on, we were children. We were children. Uh, I mean, you still are. I'm. I'm. You don't have an aide or or a walker. I don't. I don't. Because I was telling someone on this podcast that I recently went to uh, an open casket. Uh, I thought you were going to say an open casting. Um, an open casket call. A call for an open casket. Sure. Um, sure. You didn't get it. I live in an old Italian neighborhood in Brooklyn. Mm. And there was a woman in my building who I loved so much. Oh, and she passed away. Of course. My kids called her Grandma Connie. Like she oh, felt like that's family. very sweet. Loved her. And when we went to the funeral home, I think it was the first open casket, you know, right. I'd ever been to. And she looked incredible. Connie really? was around 90. And I'm not kidding. Like she looked 60. In the casket. That's and amazing. I literally went up to someone who worked at the funeral home. I was like, I'm sorry. <laughs> what? <laughs> How do I? What do you use? Is there like, yeah. could I use, <laughs> would a little, is there any difference between like Botox and just a little bit of embalming I'm, fluid? I'm going to a dinner Saturday. <laughs> could you possibly come back? <laughs> I have a gala. <laughs> That's so funny. I've only been to one open casket. Yes. And he looked nothing like the himself. <laughs> himself. Right. No, not at all. Had there not been a name tag, you would not have been sure. Yeah, I thought I was in the wrong uh, yeah. in the wrong funeral. No, Connie looked beautiful. Yeah. May she oh, rest in that's peace. Am- that's very sweet. Yeah. Um, it's interesting because I-, I used to run a charity in high school. That called Open Casket. <laughs> called Open Casket. Yep. <laughs> Kids loved it. It was it was to help kids get into college. This is before payments. Yes, but um, <laughs> so what happened? No, no. So I I ran this charity for senior citizens. Okay, and it was called like Senior Buddy or something. Right, and I, so I would sign kids to senior citizens, and they would go once a week and visit and visit, and they if they had a shopping list, they would go get them stuff and whatever. But then. Um, they were like dying all the time and it was so traumatic that the school <laughs> shut down the charity. Yes. So like with, with great intentions, but I get it. Like it was just too traumatic because they would grow attached to the to the senior citizens. Well, when I was a die. senior and so. I had to do a senior charity project as well, mm. um, I decided that I wanted to be a person who visited elderly people in oh, I thought you wanted homes. to be visited. I did that was not. your project. So I got the yellow pages out because that's what existed. <laughs> and I'm looking up places where I could visit seniors. And I call this place and I'm like, hi, my name's Alana. Uh, I'm in 12th grade at Teaneck High School. And I would love to work there. Right. And he was like, are you sure? I'm like, I really am sure. It's wow. something I really want to do. And he's like, okay. Um can you carry heavy things? And I was like, I think like so. People? <laughs> well, it turns out he's like asking me all these questions. And I realized uh, when he explained to me, he's like, you're calling a funeral home. And so when oh. you want to work with older people in our place of business, they are deceased. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. Like, 
Did I, you put this on your college applications? Like yes. That, uh, and you know what? I ended up doing a gap year, but that's another story. Interesting, because there was a there was a girl who did not get into the college I went to. Yeah. Who I wrote a letter for. You went to Wesleyan. I went to Wesleyan. Yeah. And this girl, um, I'm much older than Lynn Miranda, so to, to, we don't even we talk, don't, talk we about. We can't even it. talk about that. So, but um, uh, she wanted Matt Weiner. Same year. Brad Whitford. He's much older. Uh huh. He could be your grandpa. He's a thousand years old. My class was uh, Michael Bay, um, Matt Weiner, Joss, um, you know, Joss, Joss Whedon. Joss Whedon. Oh, He okay. created a show called Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yep. Uh, David Cohan, who did Will and Grace. Mm-hmm. Um, there's someone else fancy. John Turtletow, who's a, fan, who's a film director. Yep. Um, yeah, Started pretty, in TV, directed one of the first pilots I ever did. It's pretty fancy. Yeah. Pretty fancy class. And they're on a podcast somewhere in the world right now saying Willie Garson. No, they're not. They're saying Brad Whitford and Lynn Miranda Manuel. That's and it. pretending that they were in class oh, with both. Oh, yeah. That's it. Right. Exactly. That, well, they were there for 30 years. Beanie yeah. Feldstein, she and yeah. I were in class that's together. Right. And and now uh, Congressman Max Rose from Staten Island. Who's Who Wesleyan, just, I know. Just came out about the impeachment. Saying it is a good thing. Yeah. But he, you know. I, I called I kn- him 700 times. Well, here's the thing. I know him. And he just is very metered and, like, wanted to make sure that this was the right decision. I think that's fair. And, uh, you know, of course, his competitors are, like, attacking him. Like, oh, he just goes with those crazy liberals. Meanwhile, he's totally fighting for the people of Staten Island. By the way, as somebody who uh, is on Twitter from time to time, I I see that you are – I have friends who keep it just to personal uh, light – Entertainment-oriented tweets, right? And then I have friends who are very willing to take a stand. Well, I'm just, I'm just so full of rage about the taken taking advantage of the uninformed, uh-huh. which is exactly what this person is doing. Uh huh. Um, and it, you know, it, we're actors. He's the worst actor alive. Mm. He's a snake oil salesman, and every, there's not a true word that comes out of his mouth. Well, someone just said to me this morning, we, meaning we who subscribe to all things entertainment, either by profession or enjoyment, mm-hmm. are personally responsible for making him a celebrity, and we actually Absolutely. are 100% a part of the problem in Absolutely. that way. Absolutely. And we and, can't sort of have it both ways. Of, because of entertainment, um, I've only had one interaction with him. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, if actors do anything, it's seeing. They're seeing the person that they're talking um, to. No, so so I met, he came to the uh, Sex and the City premiere, the movie. Okay, which the was first a, movie. Yeah, which was a big deal. Yeah. Uh, you know, it was five years after the show. It was a huge, you know, 20,000 people on the street, 6,000 people at Radio City Music Hall, and then the party was at Lincoln Center, and I turned on uh, these tiny steps, um, and I turn, and he's standing there, and I go, like, right next to me, and I go, oh, my God, um, it's you. I said, uh, thank you so much for coming, Mm -hmm. and he looks at me literally like I'm covered in diarrhea, mm-hmm. which I wasn't. No, not that um, night. Not that night. I cleaned up. I mean, we go back a long and, time and I've seen so some he scary liter- things. So he looks at me and he goes, what are you thanking me for? And I said, oh, well, 
were just so happy that people came out to support the movie and people seem to like it. I'm a gracious human being. People seem to like it. So thank you. And he looks at me like literally like I just spit on him or something. And he goes, whatever, and walks away. And I thought, I went to our little area. We had this little... Holding area. For the cast yeah. and stuff. And I said to Sarah Jessica, I said, I just, I just met Donald Trump. And he was such a jerk to me. And I don't know why. Mm-hmm. And, he, and she goes, well... Hello, <laughs> you know, yeah. um, and uh, and then I realized he was in a shot in like the first or second season of Sex in the City. So he thinks that it's his show. Sure, it was his night. Right. So that so that's definitely what's going on in his mind. Like, oh, what do you mean? Why are you thanking me? This is my project. Well, I, I am Sex in the City. Yeah, like, that's that's his ego and his insanity. Right. I want to. Um, I, I'm getting nauseous, so we can't talk right, about no, him anymore. I, I, we can't talk about this anymore. But, but I will say that you, you know, when I say 300 episodes, that might be um, a lower number than the number of episodes of television you've really done. Yes, like that's that, probably that may true. be an outdated statistic that's probably at this true. point. And I do have to say that it was the Dumont Network. 1948. That was the first. Yes. You're from New Jersey. Yes. Born and raised. Yes. So, you know, I talk a lot about um, sort <laughs> of the proximity to New York or the proximity to a place yeah, where... a different world. Right. Such so a different world. You, might, you could have been, I mean, in some ways being in Highland Park, New Jersey, where you grew up, yeah. uh, was as far away from Manhattan as living in, you know, Iowa in terms Absolutely. of... Yet there was access to getting to New York City really easily if right. you were a kid who was interested right. in the arts and Which you also could do then. Right. Like I would go. Like yeah. you would know, like, you know, I started working when I was 13, but I would go, I would walk to New Brunswick mm-hmm. over the bridge, walk to New Brunswick, take the train to Penn Station, go to the audition or go to the theater and come home. And you would no sooner do that with your 13-year-old child right. now than cut right. off his arm. Although like, my kids live in New York City. And so the idea that different. they are, right, so they're... You know, they're going to open casket wakes. Sure. They're going to Broadway. They're doing all the sure. shows. Sure. You have been heard saying, not to me, but other places, oh, no. that your dad that I had was gas? that you know oh. <laughs> your father was like a semi professional gambler. Yes. Uh when you say that, do you mean that he had one jo- two jobs? Yes. Like so he had a day job and kind of a night job? Well he had my my family had a bunch of uh, somewhat crooked jobs. My family was I guess what what you would call like Jewish mafia. Okay. Can you tell us a little about that? Well, it's, you know, Jewish mafia is different than what we know of as mafia. It's not, there's less killing. Um, More guilt. It's more guilt (laughs) and more, and more eating. Um, A lot more bloat. There's a lot more bloat in Jewish mafia. Okay. But, you know, so it's just like my, my grandfather who I never met and his brothers started a winery in New Jersey. On your father's side. Yes. And what was their last name? Pazamant. Okay. Um, and they uh, they made cheap wine, like alcoholics wine. Um, uh, and then because you owned a winery, uh, you had to have the real estate. So you had a real estate company. Then you had to have trucks. You had a trucking company. Then you needed to fuel it. So you had an oil company. Um, on and on and on. And where is this happening? This was all in New Brunswick, New Jersey. Okay. And my father ran the most crooked of the businesses. 
which up until I have no idea when because it was after our time, but all through my childhood, if you were sick in New Jersey and went to the hospital in the entire state of New Jersey and you wanted to watch television, Mm -hmm. that was not a billable item on your hospital bill. You had to pay in a little brown envelope next to your bed in cash every day. And our guys went to every hospital room in the entire state. And if you didn't have the money, they had a key that was soldered onto a long screwdriver and there was a hole in the side of the television set and they would shut off your television set. Um, I'm sure growing up in Teaneck, you... Would have done that. Would have done that or known someone in the hospital and there was a little brown, like a key envelope next to their bed. And my father would sit in a room (laughs) in New Brunswick and the guys would come all day, literally with bags of money. Right. And you could say, no one was watching television in the state that day. You could, right. And he would he would separate the money. This much would go in that safe. This much would go in that safe. I mean, it was crazy, literally crazy. Did um, your dad come up with that business? The, no, I don't know how he was how given he ended up that, being that business. Guy. Yeah, but he was the he was the comptroller. I always knew how to spell that sure. because it had a P in it. A P for um, theft. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, and then the family business kind of broke up. Mm-hmm. Uh, the winery was not doing well, no. and there was a mysterious fire that we all knew about <laughs> um, a week before, and uh, and the family broke up. And but so so that was my father's day job, right? And then he would leave on Thursday. And go to Las Vegas mm-hmm. and come home on Sunday. So that was his deal. And he was a very... Um, Blackjack? Like Blackjack. Roulette? What was his thing? Blackjack. Okay. And he was very studied and very careful. And he had X amount of dollars mm-hmm. that he would take with him. And it was it was also a different time. This is the 60s and 70s uh, when there was things called junkets. Right. So he would be with a hotel... And they would fly him out and put him up. And, you know, he had this whole other life as a swinger um, in Las Vegas that, who knows, he might have had another family for all I know. But um, Are your parents married when you're growing up? They were married until I was 15. Okay. Yeah. That's a long run based on what you're describing. Well, and I have older siblings. I mean, so they were married for 27 years. So you're one of three? Yeah. And you're the youngest? Yeah. Okay, so they By split long up. Time. And did your mom was she a stay at home mom? My mom was a stay at home mom. My mom was a swinger in New York. She grew up in the Bronx. Her father was a big uh, lawyer, and she met my father. What do you mean she was a swinger? In she New was York? like she was like a party girl, okay. a New York party girl. If, like is this the fifties? Like, like she she'd be at Bungalow Eight if it existed. Right, then. right, right. <laughs> um, this is in the fifties, and my father would had a band, a jazz band that played on 52nd Street. What did your dad play? He played the stand-up bass. Wow. And they were called the Four Naturals. The Four Naturals? Uh-huh. Are there recordings anywhere? Oh, God, no. I mm-hmm. wish. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. There's publicity photos that, that are hilarious. All right. And anyway, she she met my father, who like was this rich kid from New Jersey, and 
you know, she thought that he was a swinger too. And in her senior year of college at CCNY at uh, Bernard Baruch, um, she got pregnant and all of a sudden was living with immigrant Hungarian immigrants in New Jersey. Rich Hungarian <laughs> well, She was miserable. And yeah. She was miserable for 27 yeah, yeah, years. Yeah, 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 yeah. Did her family <laughs> disown her? No. It, that's no. scandalous to not no, and be my married g- in the 50s and be pregnant was a pretty big deal. Well, and then they got, you know, they got married right. before the baby came. Um, but it just kind of, it wasn't the life it that she... It didn't start out great. It wasn't the life that she wanted. So did you grow up <laughs> affluent in your day-to-day? We were, did you have a big house? We were house very and... wealthy mm-hmm. until we weren't. Mm-hmm. And then there was a time when my father lost all his money. So but, you had you went through all the stages. Yeah, but we were you know we were we were wealthy, but now as an adult, and I'm very aware of like working for my money and managing my money. I don't really know how wealthy we were mm-hmm. because he we, he might have just been spending it right and nothing right couldn't pay certain bills but exactly large exactly. Did I mean, you we go to had private a, school. No. No, Highland Park had lovely school, schools. yeah, and uh, but you know we had a Bentley and we had a full time housekeeper and we were in St. Martin every five minutes and uh, so you living know. large, yeah, oh yeah, in oh yeah, there's a big house, and big so house. were your friends like that too? Um, Highland Park even then was a pretty mixed town. Mm-hmm. So, but there, there's two sides to the town. There's the north side and the south side. So there's tracks, and you lived. Well, there's a main street. There's a main street. Okay, (laughs) there are tracks, but they have nothing to do. Okay, but people lived on one side of town or the other side. The north side is generally more affluent. Uh huh. And the south side is less. And then at um, sixth grade for middle school, you all come together, Mm -hmm. and it's a huge adjustment. Right. Um, and now the town pot. is really weird. It's very orthodox and weird. And, okay. And the schools are barely are you doing staying open. Play- so when you start working at 13, first of all, were there like Broadway cast recordings in your house growing up? Did you, no. No. Did your family go to Broadway shows as we like did, ways to celebrate stuff? No, we did go to – we went to a lot of shows. I mean we were Jewish. So we mm-hmm. saw Fiddler on the Roof every five minutes. Mm-hmm. And then we saw um, Chorus Line a lot. Do you remember and the first Broadway show you saw? I don't really, but I do remember I saw Sweeney Todd like five times. Mm-hmm. Um, it's ironically, I know I was about thirteen, but I, I think I was getting ready to work then. But I saw Sarah Jessica as In Annie. Annie. Uh-huh. Yeah, like before I knew her. Yeah, which is amazing. So, um, how did you? Are you doing plays? So at I was school? doing. I was doing plays at school, and then when I was in seventh grade, mm-hmm. so I was thirteen. Um, did you have a bar mitzvah? I did. Okay. I did. My suit uh, was uh, crushed velvet, uh, navy blue. It was Pierre Cardin, and it was a three-piece with a vest. And on the vest, all randomly, it's written Pierre Cardin. And I thought that was like the The fancy. lining, the inner lining. But it was on the outside oh, on of the, the outside vest. Yeah, so the when I took back. it out to dance. Sure, everyone you know, could see. Yeah, it was very uh, exciting. Yeah. Um, but I... There was a teacher at school. In middle school. Yes, who said to me, you should meet my friend who's an agent in New York. And I came into New York and I met uh, Karen Foreman was her name. And she worked at Fifi Osgard, which had a, a large youth department. Um, it was, 
yeah, Karen Foreman and Steve Carson were the agents. God, I can't remember. I'm, I'm literally remembering this. Like, anyway, so I go to meet with her, and she said, well, you should meet my friend who's just like you, and his mother has an acting school. Mm-hmm. And so she set me up I on know where a this is going. date with Fisher. Fisher Stevens, with Fisher ladies Stevens. and gentlemen. Yeah. And I went, and Fisher and I became like best friends. Did Fisher grow up in Manhattan or like Long Island or something? He started in Chicago, right? And then, but he was in Manhattan at that point. Okay. And Sally was with uh, Dan Fossey at the Actors Institute, and I started taking classes at the Actors Institute. I would come in every Saturday, and in the middle of all of this. A friend of ours was working at the Roundabout Theater. Hmm. Not fancy Roundabout. Wait, a friend of yours in Fishers or your family? No, a friend of our family in Highland Park. Oh. Um, in this, an administrative capacity? Yes, he was working for Gene Feist. Who administrative? Was the, <laughs> yes, in the, yes. Yes, he, okay, he was, a, speaking, he was a bookkeeper. Like, who English? are you? Like, literally, who are you? Um, so, yeah. so they were looking for... Uh, this is junky roundabout, like on 23rd and 26th Street. Early days is how early you call days. it. Yeah. Early days. Yes. Okay. I don't know that we have to call it junky as much as well, early started. days. But I mean, it, it still had like 20,000 subscribers. Yeah, that sounds then. so junky. I know, but how many productions of Our Wilderness could they do in a row? A lot. So, uh, yeah. So um, they were doing a production of a play. Our Wilderness. And ca- no, <laughs> called The Winslow Boy. Okay. Uh and it was, and they were looking for the Winslow boy, who's 13 years old. And he said, I should come into New York and audition. So I, I remember calling Karen Foreman, like so excited. She said, yes, I'm come in. This is so exciting. And I went in and I auditioned, but I didn't get it. But I got hired. I got on a fee as an, as an understudy. Okay. And I never went on. And it was not that exciting. The Winslow boy in The Winslow Boy has like three lines. Right. Well, at least <laughs> he's, you could learn that. He's asleep on the couch the entire play. I hate that. And Have you a, ever had to be – I'm always scared. I'm really going to fall asleep. It's a, it's a hard – that's the hardest I thing to have think, to do. I don't think I would fall asleep. There's nothing worse than your part being that you're asleep. <laughs> or dead. Or at least dead, you don't have to ever like wait for your cue. Asleep is very hard. A okay. very fancy actor was in The Winslow Boy. Who? Uh, Remac Ramsey. Nope. Do you even know who that is? No. He was kind of like, of those kind of actors, if you would say the gold standard was would be Philip Bosco. Right. He was like the second tier. But that generation. Yes. Okay. Those so, guys, Vincent Gardenia, yes. you know, like those guys. guys. Um, so do you have to get your equity card now? Are you? I didn't equity? get my equity card because okay. I never, I mean, who knows how crooked Gene Feist was. Uh, at, well, that's at, at your roundabout. cynical, yeah. that's your upbringing. Yeah. So now you've got your foot in the door. You got are my foot a in professional the door. actor at I, 13 years old. I have an agent. You're studying. And, and I ha- I'm studying and I have... Auditions once in a while. It was basically following uh, Fisher and Matthew. So like, so like Matthew would leave Torch Song. Fisher would take over. Then Fisher would get me an audition for the national tour of Torch Song. Then Brighton Beach, and I wouldn't get it. Right. Then Brighton Beach Memoirs. Matthew would start it. Fisher would take over and then get me an audition. And, and, and I wouldn't get it. Right. So this went on for a long. <laughs> When did you, uh, which by the way, 
That's very sweet of them. Yeah, very they sweet. They did their best. Yes, and they're both still to dear, this day. dear friends exactly. of mine. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. But when did you get your own job? That sort of changed I didn't things. Really, okay. Before Wesleyan or after? Before Wesleyan, I got a job in a commercial. Um, so I was a must join. It was an extra, but extras were SAG then. So you had to join in the New York. Union. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then I got a job. I got a print modeling job for Cracked Magazine. I'm sorry, Cracked? Cracked or Mad. Hmm, mad different. was famous. No, but they were kind of the same. Right. But that, they're not literally the same. They're not literally the same. And they're both sadly gone. Are you doing um, plays in school? Oh, every, every so single even play. Even though you're studying professionally, are you like the star of the plays? I'm are in you a every big play. deal in school? I'm in every play. And do you sing? Yes. So you're starring in the musicals yes. and you're starring in the plays. Yes. And you're, is, are those your friends? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Are you but, a popular but kid? But Highland Park is very. You know, a lot of people say this about their theater departments right. in their little towns, but Highland Park was one of those towns where being in the theater department was the same as being the captain of the football team. Mm -hmm. It had the same. It was not nerdy. It, it had the same really value. Cool. But I also did a lot of other stuff. I mean, I played. I was in the band. I was in chorus. I was uh, president. Um, I had a radio show. All uh, in high school. I had a job. Mm -hmm. But these are things that you could do then. You can't do that. Having a kid who just graduated high school, you can't do that now. I mean, I'd be at school till 11 o'clock at night. Right. And I'd be there at 6 in the morning to do all the other stuff when I do. When you say... You can't do that now at because school. Because... They don't, they don't do it. I mean... There aren't all those things or you have to say... There are all land? those things, but um, like my, when my kid, my kid who plays sports and was in a play, like, well, the rehearsal is, has to end by 6 o'clock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which like what? Right. Like like Bob Stevens was our theater director, our drunk, crazy theater director. Mm, I mean, he'd have us there till eleven o'clock at night. So, you know, sophomores in high school. Right. And you could never get away with that. Right, right, right. So. No, but the other thing you bring up is the tennis coach is going to be like, listen, you. Ha I feel like a lot of experiences I've heard of or experienced were, you got to choose. Right. Are you going to do the tennis team or are you going to be in the play? Right. Because you can't. You know. There I mean, was I would go. That. I would go from school. To a job. Doing what? Oh, I had a lot Getting of jobs. Getting the money from the TV I had a lot of jobs. Hospital? And I was a criminal. I was such a criminal. Great. I mean, I should be in prison. Okay. I stole I stole so badly from the jobs I had that <laughs> I'm, I'm ashamed fact. every day. Have you said That this? is not a little known fact. This I is, will tell everyone because yeah. I'm so guilty about it. Right. They both have passed. The drugstore owner and the clothing store owner have both passed. So why growing up with so much available to you? I don't know. I'm a shyster. I don't right. know. I don't and know. And by the way, are you playing cards yet? Are, did well, we always play cards because my father was a gambler. Was a so, shark. So we didn't play Monopoly in our house. We played poker. Okay. And blackjack. Okay. So I always had card sense. So Texas Hold'em, all I, of that was part of me, your... I have to go back to that because it took me... Almost 10 years as a professional actor with television series mm -hmm. to stop stealing. Mm -hmm. Like I would steal <laughs> I would steal like a like a throw pillow out of my dressing room. Right. Like it was like crazy. Like a 
like a crazy person. Uh-huh. A, a so hand wardrobe mirror. items, just anything uh, that wasn't anything. nailed down. Well, well, wardrobe items, I have never given that up. Right. I, I still do that. Right. Like, no. So they just know that whatever Willie's wearing just by will double. be going home. Yeah. Right. Or by if more you need it again in the show, Correct. you better have extras. Correct. So that's fascinating. <laughs> and would you say you've stopped doing that? Not with clothing. No. But, but now I like, say it. I say I'll say to the wardrobe <laughs> designer. Yes. I'll say, "What would happen if these pants went missing?" Right, we're not in the trailer. She go and she, they always say, they always say, "What pants?" I've never right. seen them because right. they don't care. If right. Nothing happens to them. Yes. If my You're also the most likable, they wouldn't say that to everybody. If my bosses are listening to this now, yes. I'm in so much trouble. I think like, people. I think the thing that has made you. I think there's a through line in your life, which is people are equally loyal to you because you have always been transparent. You have never tried to be anyone except who you are. And I can't imagine at every rap party you haven't somehow, because of your guilt and alcohol, told somebody that you've done this. That's probably true. That's I think true. mementos, that's all you're talking about. Just what, little a, mementos what, from a, each job. A desk lamp from a honey wagon <laughs> is not, like, not really amazing? a memento. I just think it's, it's a tragic. fascinating. <laughs> have you ever, like, looked at it? <laughs> and now you have a son. Yeah. So does he know this about you? No. No. I mean, and I'm no. sure when he I'm not going to let him this, listen to this. I'm actually sending him the link. I will say to Nathan. him, I will say to him, Oh, Nathan, look at this great thing they gave me. Mm-hmm. It's swag. Yeah, yeah he thinks, one of a kind. He thinks, why are people giving you so much stuff? All the time. Really? Batteries? Batteries, yeah. batteries <laughs> out of a remote? Right. Like from the, from your dressing room? It's hilarious because I will like feel guilty if I go home and there's a Sharpie or like a highlighter mm. in my bag from the read-through. Yeah, yeah I, will you, I will not. That, you wouldn't even bother with that. No. It would be the table that we did the no. read-through on. And now as as a director yes. and trying to produce, like if someone steals something out of, of my set, I'm going to mm. really come down hard. Really? <laughs> I can't imagine that's true. I, I don't know. It depends what it is. Have you ever uh, thought about the why, why, why you move the line further and further uh, to, well, it's not exactly <laughs> stealing as much as uh, my saying thank you to myself. Like, what is it? I don't know. I don't know. You know, it's interesting because my my parents were pretty uh, frugal. Right. Besides that we were wealthy. Right. And I don't know what they didn't, they weren't the greatest parents, but what one thing they did right was we could have asked our father for anything. And he would have given it to us. But you would never ask. It wouldn't even occur to you to ask. So we paid for our own clothing. Right. You we worked. paid for our own books. We always had jobs. Mm-hmm. I don't know how they did that. Right. How both things existed at the I same don't, yeah, time. Yeah, exactly. And being that my mother never worked a day in her life until yeah. after the divorce and she moved back to New York. She got her first job. And um, so it's interesting that she instilled that. But my mother was a strange animal, so mm-hmm. so I, you know, there's a lot of psychological weirdness there. Well, here's what I will say: you only have a little psychological weirdness, and well, I have to tell. I want to tell you the biggest one. Okay. My, my mother hated that I was an actor. Hated it. Why? Um, she hated the attention that was not on her. Mm. Um, 
and that it wasn't reliable and, you know, I'm going to die homeless and whatever and uh, all of that. Like I was on my second or third television series. As a series regular. Yes. Like yes. making, you know, bank. Right. And my mother was still sending me catalogs for graduate school for accounting. And this went on our whole life. She came to, I don't know if it was the first movie or the second movie, the second Sex in the City. And like everything was, oh, I don't watch that. I don't watch that, whatever. And we're in Radio City Music Hall. And you know that quiet time just as the credits are ending but before the lights come mm -hmm. up. So that moment, literally moment. Yeah. And my mother in Radio City Music Hall, full voice, not for me. <laughs> okay. So wow. we all burst out laughing. Yeah. And I, I turned and I said, is that important for other people <laughs> to Curious. know that? But right. here's the interesting thing. And this is such a psychology textbook, which my degree is in psychology, mm -hmm. by the way. Um, when, I, when she passed away, we're going through all her crap in her house. And I find her uh, summer camp yearbook, like from camp. You know, Jubago mm -hmm. or something in, in upstate Rama New York. Jew. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Camp Catch a Kitty, and yeah. and, uh, and uh, everyone had signed it in the yearbook, and they all literally said, "Muriel, I can't wait to see you on Broadway. Wow. You're going to be the biggest actress ever. Yeah. You're going to be such a star." And no idea. No one in our family. Right. No idea. Right. There you have it. So there you have it. Wow. And when she moved back to New York, she went to every play that was playing, every single play, usually in the first week, first week of previews. Yet, anything you're doing. Oh, my, it's horrible. That's right. crap. And listen, I, I, sure. I've done a lot of television. Sometimes we just pay our bills. I've done a lot of television. I've done a lot of crap. Yeah. I, 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 I always try to find a reason to do it. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that reason is the check. Mm -hmm. But- you know, more often late later on in my life, now that I'm elderly, um, it's more it's more about does this story need to be told, or right. can I play this character in a way that you have makes the luxury sense, of making that makes some sense? Choices. Yeah, does this this character make sense have for someone? Have you ever to play? said no to something? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, there's certain things. I mean, as a character actor, my my main goal is is to not repeat. Mm -hmm. So I don't like to do things that I've done already. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the, the most egregious example is obviously, and besides that, I think that it would be inappropriate now, but, uh, you know, to play a very flambo flamboyant homosexual on Sex and the City, A, I shouldn't even be playing that part. Mm -hmm. uh, someone who is that should be playing that. Mm -hmm. um, and because I was on it and the show was so successful, there was a stack of scripts always right. on my desk. right. To play that character. Right. It's like, well, I already played it. Yeah. With the best writing that there Ever. is. And why would I play it again? Yeah. Um, I'm in a little bit of a gray area right now because uh, I do a show called Hawaii Five-0 in Hawaii. It's in Hawaii. By yeah. Um, that's <laughs> Look it up, guys. Yeah. If you're it's, unclear it's what it means Hawaii by that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that character is a little similar to my character on White Collar. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's different enough that it was like uh, only only on the surface. Like he's a former. I know. Art, he's a I former don't care art thief. You know. If he's a grifter, if it's in a beautiful place, 
Don't you feel that way? Like yeah, I mean, that job, I mean, it's you're a, in Hawaii. Yeah, it's okay. You're in Honolulu, Hawaii. Calm down. Oh, you don't get to go to Kauai on your <laughs> no. day off? Like you're just no, you're not. Out? You're not getting fanned uh, okay. by concubines at a resort. In, oh, in, um, I thought you were <laughs> in Kauai. No. Well, of the millions of things <laughs> that you've done, like it's kind of extraordinary to think about all the chapters in your life. Like I remember. Mm-hmm. I remember when something about Mary sort of came out and it was kind of the first of its kind, that kind of so crazy. hilariousness. It was so crazy. And there you are. Did you know the Farrelly brothers because they cast you? Or, no, let no, me no, just no. Say one thing. No. Everyone has said to me, I cannot believe you know everyone. They'll yes. look at like my podcast guest list. They'll look at and I'll be like, no, you think I do. You have not met my friend Willie Garson. And that's really true. Like right. no one is uh, – more connected to more people and is able to maintain well it's just from work it's just from work and when as you know because you're an actress yeah as you know when you work you're family yeah and i i really take that to heart i i don't i don't like the the false closeness right um in uh in sex in the city we wrote a joke about it. it was called forced festive right i don't i don't believe in that you become friends with who you're friends with right. at work and well just because the job ends that doesn't what, what we're not friends now, right? And that it's a common thing. People do it. Well, it's but hard I don't. To just I don't do it. I don't believe in it. Maintain. There's just a lot going on for everyone, and well, it's just you know, about making time. And you do well. My maintenance, um, which my <laughs> obviously my elder aide helps me with. Yes. <laughs> yes. She keeps. <laughs> it's mostly it for physical, you. like yes. the bag. Uh, <laughs> changing, the pills. changing the bag, yes. the pills, the drool. Yes. Um, the unsightly hairs. All of but, it. Uh, but my maintenance was always because, and it really didn't, it really didn't kick in high gear until uh, Sex in the City, because I was commuting. Mm-hmm. I was living in Los Angeles and I was commuting. You fly in for this, and I was back and forth, back and forth, nonstop. Sometimes two times a week, mm-hmm. um, and then it continued with white collar. So now we're talking. You know, we're going on. This is 15, 16, yep, 17 of years working in a of like way. bi-coastal way. And the second half of that, by the way, with a child, right. raising a child Which we by will, myself. Which we'll get to. So, but, um, so I, made, I just made a pact with myself. If anyone calls me, emails me, uh, or sends me a text, I answered immediately. Mm-hmm. Even to say, I'm here until then and then I'm here until that. And then I erase it. Because if not, you end up as that person. Who doesn't keep in touch with people? Right. You 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 end up. What do you mean? Uh, I erase it. What do you I, erase? Well, I erase the I erase the texts and the me- so I don't have any. I don't have backlog. Like I oh, see. I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't get back to yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You always get back. I always get back immediately. Mm-hmm. And uh, some of my best friends are like that. I mean, you know, one of my best friends, Sarah Jessica. I, I mean, if I email her, I hear back in thirty seconds. Yeah. So she does that with everyone. Yeah. So then it's over. It's off your plate. And you still are maintaining that relationship, mm-hmm. always. I added a little thing where she just has to check mark that this is not a robot, <laughs> just so I know. Yeah. Oh, that's sweet. <laughs> just so I really know. That's sweet. So is you know really, that it's her. Is it really that, you? Yeah, it's is yeah. it, guys, is it anybody Is it anybody yeah. who they say they are? Just let me know. Yeah. Oh, that's that's great. Can you just take these letters and put them from the box? It's fantastic. <laughs> Or, or, or if the response has nothing to do with what you're talking about. Exactly. Like, is this like, actually – no, but she's an example also. Like what a perfect example of someone yeah. who has been able to maintain 
her ability to stay connected with people yeah. for reals. Yeah. Uh, but you know what they say, like, I mean, we're friends, for, done, we're friends for 40 years now. Have a busy I mean, person. Crazy. Like, that's who you get to do it. Did you meet Sarah because of Matthew or did you meet her separately? I met her separately uh, in Los Angeles. I'd moved to Los Angeles uh, right after college at 21. I actually graduated college early. And so you weren't an acting major at Wesleyan. And you were I was a, psychology a theater major. and psychology. Okay. I made my own major, which you could do mm-hmm. at Wesleyan. And I moved, I finished in three years and moved to Los Angeles almost immediately. Ready to go. Ready to go. I would kill a baby to have that year back. Do you want me to leave that in? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, I just don't know what my rush was. Right. You know, that I keep, I tell my son, like, you know, you're going to stay and have this time. Like, what's the rush? What was the big rush? Um, I wouldn't have gotten Mr. Belvedere. I, Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know what the big rush was. Um, I think you've just answered your true. own question. I probably wouldn't have gotten, <laughs> wouldn't have gotten Mr. You're right. Belvedere. I wouldn't have gotten Mr. Belvedere. That's right. 30 something, there were a whole slew of sure. things that Back might not have 86, happened. 1986. That's yeah. right. You wanted to get there first. That's right. I wanted I wanted to get Mr. Belvedere before you he was tainted against me. At the dawn of television. That's right. You wanted to be That's there. That's right. So you go to LA and, like, are you and Fisher in touch while you're in school? Yeah. Well, because I had auditions. I would drive in from Connecticut okay. for auditions, and I would come in, and Fisher was working, and I, I, I was so jealous of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Fisher did um, Flamingo Kid, and we became a whole posse. Right. I wasn't in it, but that's how we met Matt and uh, our friend Googie Gress and mm-hmm. Leon and Brian McNamara, um, and we all became this posse. And I was so jealous because Matt... <laughs> Matt and, well, Matt, Dillon, Matt and Fisher didn't go to college. Right. And I was like, "What? oh, you get the, to go to auditions all day right. and go to work? Right. And I thought, that's how lucky. And I, oh, I have to go to psych class? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and did you feel like, oh, wait, maybe I shouldn't do this. Look at my friends there. Well, that's why I hurried up. Right. I you hurried wanted to catch up. up. But I did, you know, again, I did every play at college, right. too, in which I'll, I'll, I'll never have those experiences. As you, yeah. know, you know, college theater, you're on some stage that is – Beautiful. A billion dollars yep. that someone has spent. It is nicer than any theater that you will ever be in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and experimental stuff that you're never going to do. You know, JB and Machinal and, you know, yeah. plays you're never going to get to do. King Lear. I'm, right. you know, I'm a freshman in college and I'm in King Lear with, right. with Frank Wood. Right. Frank Wood, you know, 22 years old yes. playing King Lear. is probably the best King Lear I'll ever see in my life. And yeah. he was 22. You know? I'm about <laughs> to do a play with him. I can't wait to tell him oh, that. Oh, he's, a, he's a prince. He's, he's a king. He's not just a prince or a king. He is the best actor. Hmm. Like he's like, he's Jason Robards level. And even then, like you understood oh, that. He was 22 as a senior. Yeah. I was a freshman. And it was... Uh, you know, first semester, and I got to be in that play with him. But like, one thing you've always been exceptional at is comedy. You can do all the things, but I feel like you were always someone who understood not just being funny, because you're hilarious mm-hmm. in life and quick, but like the anatomy of a joke. It's right. like you've understood the science of it and the instinct of it. And right. that combination has allowed you to make people laugh for three decades now. Well, so- that's that's the hope. I mean, you know, like like many comedic actors, I really feel I can breathe when I'm doing drama. Mm-hmm. Like it's all I want to do is drama. Mm-hmm. But uh, comedy is is hard. It's mm-hmm. harder. It's hard work. And uh, sometimes I cherish it. Sometimes I I hate it. Right. 
So well, there's a lot of pressure. There's a lot. There's a lot of, to deliver something you, one you way. You are, and sometimes it's not. It's not there. It's mm-hmm. not on the page, and it's not right, and you can't fix it. Sp- certainly, in the cesspool that is often television, um, I'm a I'm an unbelievable pitcher. Like I'm I'm constantly pitching. Like. What can if we this, have what better? If can we just have a better blow to the, at the end of this scene? And will you actually pitch the <clears throat> answer to what you're looking for? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't. I mean, there's nothing worse than an actor complaining, complaining about something. Well, you should never be. You know, on any set or in a rehearsal of a play or anywhere, you, you should never be another problem. You should always be a solution. So, who were like, your teachers? I mean, the Farrelly. Like, like, how did you? How did this happen that you understand how to do that? Well, I just always I just always knew and I think it was early on in high school because he was great, the yeah. director there. Um I always knew that there's there's no um there's no levels of participation. Everyone is a partner. So I was always a partner. Right. With the director, with the writer. Not William Shakespeare, but like right. with the writer, with the producer, we're partners. We're right. all trying to make we're it as good as we together. possibly can. Mm-hmm. I, I can't tell you how many times, certainly on um, on White Collar, how many times I said, you know, I don't need to be in this scene. Uh-huh. There's no reason why this character would be in this scene, right? Which is not something you often hear. Mm-hmm. And people are like, well, tell me why, and then you know, um, be like, as here's how it would work. You know, it was very interesting on. On Sex and now I'm really talking out of school, but whatever. On on Sex and the City, uh, Michael Patrick King was was very leery of suggestions at the beginning, and I would say, you know, what if he ended by saying this? I, wouldn't that be better? And he'd be like, like we'd get we'd get in fights. Mm-hmm. Um, when and you then, say fights. Actual fights, uh huh. Fist fights, not fist fights, but no, that, that you'd really be... yell at each other. Oh, yeah, he, yeah, we could yell. And so uh, you must have felt very comfortable at this point. Comfortable enough. You were like, I'm, I'm then, here to stay. But, but then what happened was he would say, "Okay, well, we'll do one. We'll do one take of that." Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until like the third or fourth epi- episode of editing, right, that he came in and said. I used every one. Mm-hmm. So then it became, okay, I trust you. I'm not, because I'm not trying to upstage anyone. That's I'm right. not, I'm, I, you just want it to be as good as it possibly yeah. can. You want to tell the story as well as you possibly can. Right. Um, whatever story it is. Uh, and every story can be improved upon until it can. And then it's just diminishing returns. That's right. Like, That's like right. let's just keep, let's just keep Don't pull messing the with this. You pull the thread, yeah. the whole thing falls apart. Yeah, exactly. So for that show, You've known Sarah at this point for I knew a while. About, I knew her about 10 years before we started. Wait, you were saying how you guys met. Did you tell me? We met at a dinner party. We were kind of set up. Okay. Actually, to sit next to each other. You and were I, set up to sit next to each other or set up to maybe date each to other? To maybe date each other. Okay. And I completely fell in love with her. Mm. Um, and she was, she fell in love with me, I think, but not in the same way. Right. <laughs> and, um, which was, which literally at. At some point in my life, actually broke my heart, mm-hmm. uh, like within a year after that. But we remained like incredibly good friends, and we had a great charity in Los Angeles called uh, Young Artists United that we were together with. And uh, for you young know, people to volunteer at funeral homes, <laughs> yes, Young Artists <laughs> United you in lifting, in lifting corpses. Can you lift heavy things? Yeah, great. 
Corpse lifting. Go meet Sarah and Willie. Um, yeah. No, it was great. It was a great charity. It was perfect for the time. I wish there something like it existed now, but right. our young... Our and is young, she with Robert Downey Jr. at this point? Not really, like right, kind but of that off and on. killed you. That off and on. Yeah. So I was like making my way in there, like yeah. in between, um, but she, that was not her interest in me, which right. is fine. Um, because we probably are happier like this. Mm-hmm. I mean... You know. A different kind of marriage. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I mean, she said she calls me her other husband. Uh, you know, it's weird because Sarah's, most of Sarah's relationships with men are with gay men. Yeah. Other than her husband. Yeah. And uh, so I'm the one. She has, you know, we should be married. At some point, we should have been married. Exactly. And she says that, which is great. Um, we're not. So it makes me sad. But, you know, it's been, it's been fantastic. Uh, she was really helpful all through my adoption of Nathan. I Obviously, the birth of her children and you know we're we love each other we're tight yeah yeah so bugs can make the wind blow bugs can make the grass grow so there you go these are little known facts that now you know hey everyone new episodes of little known facts drop every monday and you can find them on your favorite podcast provider also if you go to the website littleknownfactspodcast.com You'll find behind-the-scenes photos, videos, and interviews, and lots more on the gallery page. And if you are loving these intimate, candid conversations with all the artists who come on the show, please head over to the contributions page. I depend on these donations to continue to bring you these interviews every week. So if you love the show, please donate. Little Known Facts is edited by Nicholas Klar and recorded in New York City.